Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Do you ever feel like you do not know where to start with volunteer training? You know, and I know, that volunteer training is a critical piece of a growing church. You need to have a plan for it, and well, our friends at Ministry Grid make it simple to train every volunteer and leader in your church with a library of over 3,500 videos in over 850 courses, you will find training for virtually every ministry area and leadership level, from volunteers to leaders to ministry directors. Uh, listen, Ministry Grid's scope and sequence of training makes it easy to know who uh, needs what in training. Listen, what I want you to do is I want you to go to ministrygrid.com forward slash unseminary uh, to learn more. Uh, you can get unlimited access right now if you sign up at ministrygrid.com forward slash unseminary uh, for just 500 $97. And not only do you have all their content, but that you can customize it with your own videos, PDFs, YouTube videos, and more. Again, that's ministrygrid.com forward slash unseminary. All right, let's jump into today's episode. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Super excited about today's conversation. Uh, we're going to be talking with uh, Pastor Bill Krause. He's from Eagle Christian Church. This is a fantastic church, been around since the mid-90s. Uh, they have two locations. It's one of the fast, or sorry, three locations, one of the fastest growing churches in the country, and they are in Idaho. Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rich. It's glad to be here. I would love to hear a little bit about Eagle Christian. Give us a sense of, you know, if people were to come this weekend, what would they experience? Give us a sense of your role, that that sort of thing. Well, a, a thumbnail sketch of Eagle is <clears throat> actually this year is our 25th birthday and uh, Dr. Steve Crane uh, planted the church and it's it's got a similar story that you hear with a lot of churches now that it started in a living room with seven or eight people and now we're running mm-hmm. about 3,600 on the weekend and we have a, a campus here in Eagle. Actually, we've just been annexed by the city of Star, which was in the okay. Wall Street Journal. The Star was in the Wall Street Journal last week. I couldn't oh, believe nice. it. <laughs> I don't know what that's all about, but uh and then we have a, a campus in West Valley that we're meeting in a school, but uh, we're we're preparing right now. We do have land, and we're getting ready to figure out how the Lord's going to help us build. And then we have a another church out in we call it Surprise Valley. It's out uh, uh, east of uh, Boise, East Boise, uh, out past the airport. And uh, that was a church that actually was closing, and <clears throat> we acquired their facility and. We learned a lot about uh, campuses out there. That was kind of our testing ground. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then we're we're actually, there's another one that's on the, it's going to get announced this week, I think, is out in CUNA, which is one of the faster growing areas here in the Boise, in the Treasure Valley. And mm-hmm. so we're also looking to launch another campus here by 21 uh, out in the CUNA area. So Very cool. So campus expansion, lots going on, merging, you know, ad- adopting, rebirthing a church, all kinds of cool things. Tell us about your role. What's your role? At well, I'm, I'm actually shifting right now, but for the last five years, I've been the minister of administration, which uh, a lot of churches, they refer that to the executive path. They call it the executive pastor. I don't really like that title. I'm a minister. So <laughs> I'm the minister of administration and I'm handing that off now to a guy that I've been working with so that I can be more dedicated full-time in campus expansion but uh nice. so i i'm cool. i'm basically like everybody goes well what do you do 
And I'm like, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm really busy, but it's hard to explain. So I just tell them the buck, the buck always stops here. That's what I do. Nice. Yeah. Love that. So one of the things I found through uh, the whole campusing experience, my own experience in launching so many campuses, it's a very um, volunteer intensive experience. It's, you know, we found uh, in the campuses we've launched, two thirds of those volunteers are brand new to volunteering. They, they haven't served with us before. And so I'd love to kind of dig into some of those issues. Uh, give us a sense of kind of the volunteer culture at Eagle Christian? What does that look like? And maybe we start there. Well, we're, <clears throat> excuse me, we're, um, that I would say, of course, I'm never going to be satisfied. So that's part of the problem. But, but in the last four years, we've really undergone a shift in our understanding and philosophy of volunteers. And um, I, I don't really know where to start on that. I, 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 when I was, when I was being trained in Bible college, the philosophy of volunteers, well, I remember guys saying this. They'd say, well, yeah, the, you know, a good minister equips his way out of a job. Mm-hmm. And that is crazy land to me. <laughs> I mean, really, because that communicates so many uh, unsavory and unbiblical things about what it means to be a volunteer. Sure. And, and yep. it was like, so you're a success. I, I saw this video back in the 80s, and it was a, supposed to be a teacher's training video. And this guy in the video, they had a little scenario and this guy was having trouble with his Sunday school class. And so he went to the, at that time, they called him the religious education director. Mm. Uh, and, and he went into his office and he says, yeah, I'm having trouble with the kids paying attention and all this stuff. And the religious education director was actually sitting behind a desk with a tie and a suit. And, uh, um, this was a series produced by one of the denominations and, uh, he said, well, here's a few articles you for to read and, and I'll pray for you. And that was it. And I was like, mm. wow, that mm. that's crazy. But that's to me, that was the upshot of thinking, well, well, the purpose of volunteers is a good minister finds people, delegates stuff to them so that he can sit in his office and hand out articles. And, and that is, <laughs> I mean, really, come on. Yeah, and yeah that, that is so far out. And so the, the, the next wave that, that really we kind of had here maybe four or five years ago, but has really changed is, um, and, and you remember this probably as well as I do, there, there was the big wave of the spiritual gift inventories, which, you know, we can go mm-hmm. on and on about that, but, but, but really they, I don't know that many of those were, were tested, uh, uh, psychometrically tested and, and people mm-hmm. had good hearts and they were wanting to help people. You know, the idea was let's find out what your gift is and get you fitted, get you, you know, mm-hmm. get you in a place. But, what I experienced on that was then the church began to scramble to, to invent ministries where people's giftedness could be expressed. <laughs> you know what sure. I'm saying? And, yeah, and, totally, so, totally. and so the backfire on that was like, for, for me, theologically was the opposite of like Romans 12, first Corinthians 12, especially Ephesians four, mm-hmm. where the idea in all those passages is, your gift is given so that the church together can manifest Christ and take the world. Mm. Not you have a gift and the church becomes like some dumbed down version of American idol where we can figure out a place for you to, you know, and that was painful for some people. Cause even now in our, in our onboarding process through starting point, we'll have people that will, you know, they want to tell us in session three, they say, well, you know, my spiritual gift is, is this, you know, and, and I'm like, well, that's great. You know, that's, uh, that really is good. And I'm glad you had a good experience somewhere, but here's where the need is. How, how could we figure out a way for you to serve 
in that need. And for some people, that's, you know, it's a little bit difficult. It's like, well, but in my last church, you know, I did this, that, or everything. And that, that's right. good. I made this thing up or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, why don't we talk about, why don't we start with that recruiting piece? So, I, you know, I, there's a lot of church leaders that are listening in who um, are at the point where they're saying, hey, we just don't have enough people. Um, I understand what you're saying, Bill. We've got some open holes. Um, what are you doing, you know, for a church like Eagle Christian to get to where you're at? Um, you know, you have figured out how to onboard people, how to equip people, how to move people. But let's start to, at the really the recruiting piece, the very front end of that system. How, what does that look like for you guys? Well, and I'm, I'm going to be as practical as we can be. And I would, I'd love to get feedback from you on this too. But the first thing is, is our process of recruiting. Um, we had a, um, we had a system where people mark on a card and they turn it in. And uh, then that card, if it said, I'm interested in serving, then that card was followed up on. And then we would try and get them connected in ministry. And here's, we, we still have the card and, and we still allow that system. But what we found was, I mean, really statistically, probably about 70% of those cards were impulse buys in mm. the in the service. Mm-hmm. And so after you leave phone messages, uh, finally get emails and connect after three weeks, well, the, the whole thing's gone cold. Yeah. And the people have moved on to something else or, or they volunteered for the little league. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. and so that system was really broken for us. And what we had to do is we had to build a system where we could turn those kind of um, interests around in, in 48 hours. Yeah. So before we jump onto that 48 hour turnaround, I, so I've seen the exact same thing. We were typically seeing about a 10% conversion ratio on that kind of you know, at the end of the service, we do, um, you know, like we get everybody fired up and we're like, fill out this card. And then when you follow right. those contacts to, at, to three months later, how many of those people are actually serving? We consistently saw about 10%. Were you seeing a similar kind of thing? Like, it just, it, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. But here's the, here, but this is the statistic that sent me sideways, <laughs> sure. though, is, but my staff are spending like 15 hours during a week following up on those things. Yes, right. Very true. So they're investing all this time. They're feeling guilty, you know, blah, blah, blah. How come you don't have enough volunteers? Did you follow up on the people? And then there was always the deal about, well, nobody ever called me and all Mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. So we used, uh, we grabbed Mm -hmm. Trello and we used it as a, you know, it's a a project management software, but we grabbed that and, and turned it into a system where cards are sent immediately and you could follow up on it immediately. So within 48 hours. So most of the teams, I mean, when they come in on Monday or, you know, everybody's doing it differently, but when they come in on Monday, I mean, first thing they're doing is checking their Trello board for Mm. new people and, and making that contact immediately. But the the other piece of that, that really has helped us is, is that starting point. We used to call it something different, but the third session in starting point is about, I mean, if I could, if I could put it in a nutshell, um, it's not more teaching and theology. It's about you cannot grow as a disciple. You you can, it, it it's actually impossible mm-hmm. to grow as a follower of Jesus if you do not mm-hmm. serve. There there comes a plateau where you you can learn more in your head and and you can you know have good experiences and relationships and all. But there's a part of growth that can only be accessed through giving of yourself in mm-hmm. ministry. And, and so when we have session three of starting point, which happens regularly, we get a big influx of cards that come through Trello and everybody's Johnny on the spot. Jump on it. Jump on it. Yeah. 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 So, 
that helped us a lot. Tell us a little bit about Starting Point. Um, give us a sense. How often are you doing that? Um, obviously, there it seems like you've got at least three kind of pieces of that. What does that look like? Well, <clears throat> and that one's a wild one too. But um, we we the Starting Point originally was a little bit hindered because the first two sessions are about our doctrine and our polity. Here, here here's where we are doctrinally. Because if you're going to join the team, we don't need everybody coming reading from a different playbook. Because that'll mm-hmm. be a losing season, you know. We'll be mm-hmm. we'll be the Seahawks again. So, uh, <laughs> um, but but then those were always taught by the senior minister, and I still think it's really important that Doctor Crane is the one teaching those. However, mm-hmm. the problem was, well, he's preaching on Sunday morning, so we finally got him convinced, and we worked through it, and we cut some pretty good video. So now, starting point is available every other month, and it's going to move to every month now. And the first mm-hmm. two sessions, it's just a four week deal. And it's held when, you know, there's children's mystery going on. So if you've got kids, you can come and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. um, uh, the first two, the first two sessions are on our doctor doctrine and then how the church runs. And then the third session is about this. And we don't call it volunteer. We call it getting connected. But mm-hmm. we talk to people about the discipleship process. How do disciples mm-hmm. grow? And then mm-hmm. we just lean in real hard to this and you getting involved, even if you, even if you get involved in the wrong spot the first time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You getting involved is essential for you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ. So the thing I want to underline for for folks that are listening in, we've heard this consistently time and again um, from growing churches that they're doing a regular, you know, you're calling it starting point. Other people call it growth track next. You know, there are lots of different names, but this idea of a single place that we're trying to push first time guests, get them to go there uh, and get connected, ultimately take these steps. And, uh, you know, I, I found even at our church, we went from doing those quarterly, we we would have so at this point we were probably a church of maybe fifteen hundred just just south of two thousand. We'd do them quarterly, and we would have forty people to turn up. And then we said, you know what? Instead of doing quarterly, let's do them every other month. And we had about forty people show up. And then we went to well, if we're doing them every other month, what if we do them every month? And we would have about forty people to you know show up. Now what we, was happening there um, was wow, like we literally tripled the number of people that we put through just by increasing the frequency of that. And that is a best practice that we're seeing what you're doing, you know, you're doing it every other month now, moving towards every month. Um, we see that time and again, push back. I'm going to give a little, I'm going to play a little bit of a devil's advocate here. I know we were talking about this before we started. There are some church leaders that are listening in that are like, oh man, like the volunteer piece, it's just a hassle. Like if I could figure out how to do this whole thing without volunteers, I, I would, uh, because it's just like a pain point as opposed to what I hear you saying is actually, this is a critical piece uh, in the in the puzzle of how people grow in their relationship with Jesus, how they get plugged in. Help us think that through. Okay. Before I answer that though, I want to respond to what you just said. <laughs> sure. Rich, I love you. I, I, I looked at you online <laughs> I love you. You just answered the question for us. No, really, because we're debating the every month thing now. And now I'm going to yep. quote you in the next meeting and I'm going to win the <laughs> sure. argument. It's great. Okay. Well, it, yeah. And it's not just me. There's lots of churches that are finding that, you know, that pattern that really what you want to do is we're do, the thing I would say to listeners is in, we're, we're obsessed with getting like lots of people in a room, but I think the key to these things is actually doing them at such a high frequency that you have less and less people in the room. So there's a higher, there's a higher impact or there's yeah. higher touch on the people that are actually yeah. there. We can actually yes. get a better conversion ratio into the other things we're trying to get them into brother i gotta tell you my the 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 301 they used to be called the 301 team but the follow-up the volunteer team that follows up on volunteers yes they are amazing i mean they're amazing Mm -hmm. we could handle if if we had 80 people show up 
I think they'd have those calls turned around in 48 hours. Right. They're amazing. amazing. But anyway, yeah. okay, well, so back to your question. I'm sorry. You, I told you I'd get excited. About this, <laughs> it's good. It's good. Um, okay. I want to be real careful how I say this because um, I have the spiritual gift of being offensive, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, right. This is where it changed for me. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, well, I mean, I could quote verses to you, you know, John says, I must decrease so Jesus can increase and, and I can spiritualize it in that way. Although those are valid passages, mm-hmm. but in Ephesians four, well, this is what I tell my staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I say we, the, the, the little old lady on fixed income at Eagle Christian church who is tithing off of her social security check and maybe a pension from her husband who's deceased. Mm -hmm. She is not putting that money in the plate so that you could do everything and hinder the growth of the church. Mm. If you're on staff here, Ephesians four says that the reason you are supported Mm -hmm. is because you are an equipper. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if that mind shift doesn't change, then, then you are going to be frustrated because you'll be feeling like I just need to get all this other stuff off my plate so I can do what I'm good at. Mm. And that mindset I believe has to be taken to the cross and surrendered to Jesus because, mm. and I, and I'm rich. I'm not trying to be all super spiritual, but I'm, I'm spiritual. I love Jesus. Yes. Yeah. 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 They're in the upper room. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're getting ready to eat. And the Lord himself takes off his, his robe, girds himself with a towel, and washes their feet. Mm-hmm. And, and he says this. He says this. He says, the Son of Man. I love this passage. He says, the Son of Man. And, of course, you know, when he's saying that, he's talking about that vision Daniel had in, in chapter 7 where Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. He's in the throne room. Mm-hmm. He says, the Son of Man did not come. I mean, if, if the creator comes, you'd think we'd, man, we'd roll out the barrel and we'd put on the best china and we do, but he says the son of man did not come to be entertained, to be served, to be, you know, the son of man came to serve people and give his life as a ransom. Mm. And that is the heart of an equipper. Now mm-hmm. all that, you know, so now people listen to that probably like, Oh, now I'm shamed, guilty. Uh, don't ever have that guy on again. And that's fine. <laughs> no, but no, here's no. the, here's the bonus on the other side though. When you make that shift and then mm-hmm. one day you wake up and I know, you know, this from looking at your stuff, you make that shift. And then one day you wake up and there's a guy or a gal that you have invested in that actually is doing that ministry better than you could. Mm, that's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, that is addictive to me. I mean, I'm I'm, start, yes. I'm, I'm kind of sweating right now talking about it. <laughs> yes. Be, do you, you know what I'm saying? And, and if that shift isn't made, then I, I personally, let's just throw it on me because I've done it wrong for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's tyranny of the urgent. It's you find yourself, you're now angry at the, at the parishioners because they mm-hmm. won't help you enough. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. And, and it's just a spiral to burnout, and then you walk away from ministry, and you don't think that you were, you know, whatever, all that bad stuff. Yeah, and, and so uh, absolutely. So I love this. Another piece of this puzzle that we've seen consistently is, um, you know, the 
the imperative to increase our volunteer, the total number of volunteers. Um, it, so I think it is like you're saying, I think it is, um, it is ultimately about us getting out of the way and empowering other people. How do we equip them? How do we, you know, launch them out? Those things are all very true. However, we've also seen in growing churches, and I would I would uh, contest this is a part of not even knowing Eagle Christian. This is a part of what is going on there that growing churches have unlocked this interesting kind of growth engine, which is the more people, the more what it takes to get someone to volunteer, the, the kind of personal life change that, that that you have to lead someone through to the point where they say, I'm going to actually volunteer at my church. What that does is that creates a person who is more likely to talk about your church with their friends. And yeah, so yeah. The, the interesting thing is church growth. We know churches grow because people in those churches tell their friends that they should come to the church. It's really that simple. And, and so the volunteering is actually this interesting kind of church growth thing. So I'd love to hear what you're doing on the training side. So what is Eagle Christian doing? So I get a sense of kind of the impetus around, I love what you're doing with uh, Trello. That, that, that makes sense. Uh, give us a sense of kind of what the training piece looks like for you okay, guys. Okay. Well, so here, let, let me back up just a hair to give it, here's our, I call it our mantra. Some people don't like me using that, but here's our slogan. Excuse <laughs> yeah. me. There's, and, and it's got four pieces to it. And, and, and you, you have to keep chanting this again and again, every day you have to wake up and remind yourself successful volunteer organizations do three things. Well, they recruit well, and and mm-hmm. and we have a whole session on that that we're still working through with staff. We're still trying to improve and refine that. But recruiting well, I mean, you know, you and I could we could have a whole session on this because recruiting well is not mm-hmm. like I, I mean the worst recruiting I've ever heard in my life is, you know, if we don't get some people in the nursery, we may not have childcare next week. Yeah, oh, Boy, that's gosh, a, yeah, that's a winner yeah. for quality volunteers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, recruit yeah, exactly. well. You can unpack that. But the second one is train with excellence. Mm-hmm. And let, let me just give you the one piece on training with excellence. And I'm telling you, Rich, we're still developing it. This is kind of what really excites me, too. This is my favorite part of this. The, the number one premise of train with excellence is do not waste people's time. Mm, so true. Now, I don't know if you know Marlene Lefevre. She used to be the editor of David C. Cook. But years ago, she took me through a training on, and it was some kind of a study that was done by UPS. And they asked two questions, and it was a large sample. So it was, and it wasn't about just churches. It was about volunteering in general. But they, the large churches, or I mean, a large sample, and they asked these people two questions. They said, why would you quit as a volunteer? What would discourage you to the point that you would quit? And then they asked, and why did you quit? They asked people who had quit. Why did you quit? Now, mm-hmm. I won't go into all of it, but but the answers to those paralleled each other. The, the reason people said they would mm-hmm. quit and the reason people, okay. But in those days, when I first saw that study, I thought, well, you know, the reason people quit, the big thing is you, you don't thank them enough. You don't appreciate them enough. Mm-hmm. You don't thank them enough. Mm-hmm. And so we would always mm-hmm. have the the big you know, the, the children's ministry appreciation thing at the end of the year and all this kind of stuff. And, and that's great. And one day uh, we, we'd put on this huge children's ministry uh, uh, appreciation deal. And mm-hmm. um, my soon to be father-in-law, I go, man, wasn't this great? We did a thing like the Oscars and we had a plexiglass podium and the whole deal. And he goes, yeah, it's okay. And I go, Dean, what do you mean it was okay? Man, this thing was fabulous. Aren't you encouraged? And th- listen, listen, this is what blew me away. This was a this was a a, a, a a tipping point for me. 
He said, Bill, that was all good. The food was good. The program was good. All, that was great. But he says, you know what would encourage me the most? I said, what's that? And he said, if I just didn't have to go hunting for sharp pencils every week when I show up to class. <laughs> you love it. So I'm back to this train with excellence means don't waste their time. Whatever you do and however you deliver that training, and that's what we're trying. That's part of the reason I wanted to see how this podcast thing works. However we deliver this training, we don't want to waste their time, and we want to give them what they need to succeed. Mm-hmm. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? But it's got to be done with Absolutely. excellence. It's got to be done with excellence. It can't be me coming in with my legal pad that I just wrote some stuff down a half hour before the meeting. And then I can't find my, I'm still trying to use the overhead and you know, the room's too mm-hmm. hot and you know, the donuts didn't show up. Don't waste their time. Yeah, totally. What are you guys doing on the train? Like, so I get that. Don't waste people's time. We got to, you know, there's high quality. I think even just the intentionality is a big piece of that. Um, what are some of ways you've seen that are like, oh, that's a real winner for us on ensuring that we're um, we're training people well? What would be some of the benchmarks that you'd look at and say, oh, that's that's a department, that's an area that's training their people well? Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I would say it's this. Uh, the, the the people that are the departments that we have right now that are really succeeding the most in training well are the ones who they they condense the information in an interesting way but they spend more time on the application whether it be let's try this out in the hour or mm-hmm. here's this information you don't even need to show up to a meeting for that there's no need to drive a half hour for a 45 minute meeting Here's the information, but now this week, I'm going to follow up on that information, and we're going to see how it works in your classroom today, kind of that OJT right. thing. Right. That, those are the people that are having the most success right now. Is you know, yeah, Here's perfect. the information. It's very simple. And they call, I, they're calling it now the flipped classroom, where you get the content up front, but then you spend the majority of the time on the application. That, that's who's winning the most. Mm-hmm. The second piece, though, are those who are working on their presentation skills. And I know that, I know that mm-hmm. might sound corny, but do you have a good hook at the beginning of the thing? I mean, when you open your training, do you have a question or an activity or something that people go, yeah, I need this. This is yeah, interesting. Totally. And then well, when, you, yeah, when you deliver your information, if you're just up there droning on in a monologue, that's not going to work. Do you, do you use multiple methods in delivery? And are they interactive methods? You know, and then lastly, are, are you testing to see, did they understand the material? And are you getting feedback? Like at the, at the end of, uh, uh, starting point, my session and starting point, you, I, Rich, you ought to see people's face when I do this. I'll say, okay, well, we're, we got through this thing, but I got just a minute here. I, and I say to him, um, could you just help me become a better teacher? Would you mm-hmm. share with me uh, what were some things that I did today that really helped you learn? And and they actually mm. will freeze up because they're like, oh, no, we're not supposed to tell you that, you know. <laughs> and, but here's the one that always blows them away is when I say, okay, and now could you tell me the things that if I'd have done differently, what could I do differently to help you oh, learn? That's great. And Love they'll it. be careful to say the first couple, but then, man, then it just comes. I mean, they will just yeah, pile yeah, yeah. on me. It's like, <laughs> you know, it'd be nice if you had whiteboard markers at work when you, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, and I learned so much from that. Anyway. Yeah, so, that's so our last piece. no that's good i love uh, and a similar question i've asked in in context in the past has been uh which is which gets people at um kind of what they're learning on that side not, not necessarily on the what can i do better side but on the what the learning side is hey what was what was an aha moment you had yes. today you know in today's conversation what was the time where you were like oh wow that makes sense now yes. uh because and then we want more of those obviously in our communication and you said there were three things so recruit well train with excellent what's the third thing the last one is called shepherd affect Effectively, not effectively, affectively. Okay. 
Tell us about that. Well, because that's discipleship. We have to care about their heart. And, and mm-hmm. yes, we, we send thank you cards and, and we try and remember birthdays or, or visit in the hospital. I mean, all those things. But are you spending time or, I mean, when the thing gets so big, are you creating systems where people find themselves in environments that are relationally sound and responsive? Mm. You know, because life isn't always perfect. And at church, sometimes it's a little scary to share, wow, you know, whatever, I caught my kid doing this or I, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And you don't want, you don't, you don't turn it just into a, you know, kind of a, but you've got to care about people's heart because that's discipleship. Mm -hmm. Discipleship's Mm -hmm. not about, and that's where, when I go clear back to the way I was trained, you know, you got to delegate all this stuff off your plate. That had nothing about shepherding in it. It was nothing Mm. but manipulation. Well, Jesus no, said, you know, you know, he says, feed my sheep. He didn't feed the sheep, feed right. my sheep. Well, you know, when you own sheep, <laughs> you take a personal interest in them. And he's like, I'm delegating that to you. Take mm-hmm. care of these things. Tend my lambs. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and people, and, and sometimes in that process, it gets messy. And sometimes mm-hmm. you find new leaders and sometimes people, people are in the wrong spot and you have to work through that, you know, all that kind of stuff. But shepherding affectively is mm-hmm. and anyway. So the last piece of it; those are the three things for the mantra. Yeah, I love that. I love on that shepherd affectively. That's that's uh, really clarifying. I think a lot of people would think, and you've talked a little bit about this. You've kind of danced around this a little bit, but I think we often think about the thank you process. That like, hey, we've got to. Um, you know, we've got to make sure people feel appreciated, which is a good thing. Uh, but I love that pushes it even farther to, okay, how are we ensuring that people are cared for and loved? How do we build environments that ultimately, um, you know, service environments that ultimately people know out of that experience? It's not just like they've checked a box. Thanks for helping us with this, but actually they feel more loved out of that. They've been loved by, yeah. by their leaders. That's, that's really good. I like because that. it's Christ though, not because yeah. it's a program. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's what Jesus, when Jesus does connect them to the vine or they can't accomplish anything that's shepherd effectively. Cause otherwise if they're, if we're not helping them be connected to the vine, they may be doing a lot of stuff, Rich, but you mm-hmm. know, and I know, it doesn't amount to anything. It's it's not. It, I, I got an example for you, and I I'm telling you, I'm I'm the biggest bonehead. So I I use these me examples like I'm, but I'm 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 so broken it's not even funny. But this last week, the facilities team, we've got this facilities team that just blows me away, mm-hmm. and and probably the least likely recruiter, my 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 facilities manager, he's got like thirty guys, and 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 average of fifteen to twenty of them show up every week. To, matter of fact, they were so good last year, we didn't even have the all-church workday to clean up the church because they already had it all done, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And these guys get in a room. But the one thing that we always said when we started that thing is we're not just going to give out assignments. It has to have a spiritual component. We have to shepherd them. Mm-hmm. So they invited me over to uh, teach a thing, and it's on this kind of this stuff you and I are just talking about. So I just said, well, let me just talk about discipleship. And we're using the orality approach to kind of – so it's not a bunch of pencil and paper. Those guys aren't into that anyway. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Rich, I sit there and I go, I'm I'm falling in love mm, with my facilities true. volunteers. I mean, these guys, <laughs> they got hurts, they got victories, they got fears, and I'm like, man, love it. This is where it's at. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm I'm like, how could you not get turned on about that? So if you, I, I'm saying to the guy who's out there and he's killing himself and he can't find enough people for the nursery and all that kind of stuff, I'm like, first of all, stop beating yourself up. Stop beating yourself mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't think that this is a magic pill. It's not a magic pill, but press into Christ 
and press into Christ with the names of the volunteers, both that you have and that you need on a piece of paper and take it to the throne and start sharing your vision and, 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 and take the ground that you get. And when you lose some ground, don't beat yourself up about it. Don't, don't worry mm-hmm. about it because mm-hmm. Christ promises the gates of hell will not prevail. Mm-hmm. And we can take hope in that. We, we can take solace in that. Yeah. The thing I love that you're doing here is you are uh, casting a vision for us for a bigger sense of what it means to serve in the church. I think, um, and so this uh, this may be a bit of a controversial idea, some people that are listening in, but I, I'm a huge fan of groups. I think groups are a great way for people to grow. I think they're critical, actually. I think it's super critical that we need to be uh, together in um, you know in community. I just had my my group last night, and it's that's been a life giving part of my you know walk for sure. However, I think one of the things that's happened over the last thirty years is we've become more and more groups oriented is we've missed the fact that there are a ton of people who actually their kind of path to growth is is through this service environment that and and we we almost uh, we I think we've downgraded it as you know in its importance uh, you know, for everyone in the church. And we've kind of, we've kind of given it um, second, you know, second fiddle, as opposed to what I love what you're doing is you're trying to raise the value of like, Hey, how, how do we use this as something that will see people be loved, take steps closer to Jesus, ultimately serve um, and be equipped. I love that. Yeah. Or backwards, ultimately serve. And through that be loved. <laughs> and yes, absolutely. Jesus, you see what I'm saying? Oh, and absolutely. Like like our worship arts guys, and and they're amazing. They are amazing. But what they what they did this year is they said, "Well, now wait a minute here. Excuse me, <clears throat> I'm getting over a cold here." They, they said, "No, wait a minute. Here. Wait a minute here. Our worship arts teams are pretty demanding, especially now with all the campuses. Uh, mm-hmm. For us to expect them then to also now switch over and join in the small groups ministry, that mm-hmm. what? So what they've done is they've built the small groups within their ministry. Yeah. And it's not it's not obligatory though. There's some people who go, hey, I want to come play guitar and I like the devotions and I'm connected when I'm in the hospital or whatever. But I, I may not have time for that group right now, but I know it's available. And then there's other people mm-hmm. who are just saying, Man, it's so nice to fellowship with the people that I minister with. Because mm-hmm. now yeah, I'm on stage and I'm looking at him in the eye and you know you know what I'm saying and I, so and I, I'm kind of painting a Nirvana. We're a long ways there from that being perfect. I don't want to act like we got it all together. We're probably going to get hammered no, no, tomorrow, for all I know. But yeah, yeah, totally. No, I get that. Um, this has been fantastic. Anything else you want to share with folks as we kind of come to the end of the uh, the interview? There's a ton we could talk about. Obviously, well, I have two things and I'll I'll wrap it up here. But the fourth piece that I didn't give you that's really important. Yep. Is I tell staff. You're paid to be an equipper. That means that at least 40% of your work week Mm. has to be invested in volunteers. And if you're looking at your week's schedule and you didn't pull out 40% of your work week this week, and really it should be 50%, then you're not doing your job. I I know you cut a lot of paper and you danced a lot of things, wrote some great articles, and people thought you were needed that speaking engagement. But if 40% of your work week (laughs) is not invested in volunteers, that's not what I'm paying you for. Dude, so good. Dude, that is the clearest, uh, super clear. I love that, you know, so in an average staff member, they should be taken two days a week on the equipping piece. Yes. Um, if they're working full time, uh, that's great. Love it. You said yeah. there were two things. What was the other thing? Well, the other thing was, is I want to ask you a couple questions. Sure. Yeah, Would sure. You, maybe you, I didn't read far enough probably on your, on your, um, uh, website, and yeah, and, uh, and and it was really intriguing to me personally, and I, we don't have to hear that whole story. Maybe someday we'll meet somewhere and have coffee. But uh, this in 
church training uh, mm-hmm. idea that's actually biblical is obviously at the root of your unseminary. And I wanted to yeah. know, what's the tipping point? What, what what happened? Where were you? What what was the tipping point that made you start the unseminary thing? Oh, that's a great question. So um, part of it is a, a, so two parts of it. One is a passion for uh, the local church. Like I just, I, you know, I'm a church leadership wonk. I could talk to church leaders all day long. And so this gives me the excuse uh, to do that. It's one thing to call someone up and say, Hey man, can we have a half an hour conversation about the volunteer culture at Eagle Christian? Most people would say yes, but it's a little bit strange to just have that conversation. This gives it in a more appropriate uh, window, which is kind of, kind of great. The other piece of it is um, as I looked around, particularly at growing churches and um Oftentimes, I notice the things that are holding back so many churches are are not the things that they teach in seminary. You know, you hear that all the time, right? It's that off offside thing. People say like, "Oh, you know, they didn't teach me this in seminary." And as someone who's yeah. led through churches, multiple churches that have gone from under thousand to over two, three thousand people, um, I, you yeah. know, there's a lot of the things that we worry about that we end up, you know, that I think that ultimately God uses that aren't necessarily the things that are being taught. So I'm trying to highlight some of those things. Uh, you know, in the uh, in the dialogue. So that's, you know, that's what got me into it. Now, the interesting thing, it was a really a personal passion project. But then, you know, every week, there's thousands, there'll be five, 6000 people that will listen to this podcast. And that says to me, like, wow, like, hey, I'm happy to help other church leaders. I, you know, it was like a personal passion that became a, oh, this can actually help help other people, which then even feels even better. So I know this is all self report, but I, I just want to see, I, I think, Maybe we we're brothers from another mother or something, but uh, you're a disciple maker, aren't you? Well, absolutely. I would lean that way. I, you know, I do. I have a real passion for evangelism. Like I, I, I would say, the, uh-huh. I wake up in the morning, and I, if I would say, the thing that I'm concerned about in the church is that we find ourselves, I think, at a bit of a crisis moment where. Um, you know, I, like I'll joke with church leaders if I'm speaking somewhere, I'll joke with them. I'll say, hey, like you and I have picked a very strange industry to be a part of. Like it, by every other indicator, this thing is about to fall off the table um, when you just look yeah. at it statistically. And so, you know, there's a little bit of a rallying call to that point. Um, and so a lot of the stuff that we end up talking about does push in that direction, pushes towards the, hey, how can we help your church be more effective? How can we help you reach more people? How do we help you not just, and there's all kinds of things. Once you start studying this, you start looking at it, you start realizing, oh, like one of the things that, you know, we've seen repeatedly is most churches, the problem isn't that they don't have guests showing up. Uh, most churches actually have more guests than they know what to do with. The question is, are we getting them connected? Are we getting them plugged in? Which obviously yeah. is a part of this conversation. You know what? Most churches, yeah, you know, yeah. they're maybe connecting one in 10. Well, if you can go from connecting one in 10 to connecting two in 10 or three in 10, man, your church just yeah. explodes. You know, you end up with, you know, yeah. you know, way more growth than you know what to do wow. with. That's good. That's good. You're, <coughs> I'm going to ask you one more question, and you can cut me off if you want to. Sure. I, you sound <laughs> sure. like the kind of guy, though, that's d- not just going to rant. I mean, it sounds like the Lord's really led you to this. Is uh, Can you tell me just your version? And, and I know you're, I'm pretty sure you're not going to give me cliches. Why do you think higher ed, <laughs> higher Christian ed is disconnected in that way? Why do you think the – because they work so hard to get accreditation, you know, and funding from the government. And, yeah. You know, blah, blah, well, blah. But then it seems like there's a disconnect. So I'll, I'll put it this way. I'll be self-critical. So I've written two books. And the problem with writing, and I'm working on a third, the problem with writing is by the time you go through the process of writing and getting it all down, getting it on paper, getting through an editor, getting it out and published – 
um, the, the, those, in, those ideas are no, no longer have the freshness they had when you, then when you started the project. So the, the problem yeah. is higher ed is built around this, um, publishing kind of, um, we're going to research, we're going to come up with the hypothesis. We're going to research it. We're going to take a lot of time to kind of measure out. We're going to peer review that we're going to spend a lot of time thinking about it. And then at the end of all that process, then we're going to change the syllabus to um, actually figure out, you know, okay, what do we need to teach? Multisite is a perfect example of that. Multisite is, has been a robust aspect of church life for 20 years. It's, yeah, there were people doing it before that, but it's not, it's not new. It's been 20 years. And I'm, I'm still shocked that there's, uh, that a standard part of most seminaries is not a how to be a campus pastor track. Like how come no seminary wow. out there is saying is training for campus pastors? Wow. They're not. And that's not a new idea. It's not. Now I think a part of the reason why that is, is because everyone who's running the ministry training worlds, they, you know, they probably have to go another 30 years but by the time that we'll kind of get enough amassed research around what it means to be a campus pastor. But you, I'm sure you know, I'm putting you on the spot here, but even on the campus pastor front, I'm sure you have a problem getting campus pastors. You have a problem training campus pastors. You know, every multi-site yeah, every, yeah, every multi church world. I talk to, that's an issue, but there literally is not, um, you know, you would think, you know, there are 10,000 multi-site churches in America. You would think that some seminary would say, hey, maybe we should even do a minor in campus pastoring, <laughs> you know, but we're still really training wow. for a, a model. It really is the, I don't even think it's like an 80s model. It's before that. It's like a 60s model parish, um, you know, guy. it's assuming guys, and I use that particularly, assuming guys are going to, you know, a single point church uh, you know, and are preaching to 200 people and doing everything um, where that's, you know, that isn't, hasn't been the model for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Wow. That's good. I like you. I think, I think <laughs> I'm going to have to figure out how you give me a discount on that course about multi-site. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's well. I appreciate you being on the show today. This has been fantastic. Uh, I would really encourage people to follow along with Eagle Christian. If people want to do that or get in touch with you, uh, what's the best way for them? To oh, do just that? just uh, EagleChristianChurch.com on our website, and, and there's ways to access the staff and let me know. That'd be great. I don't have my own website. I don't promote myself very well because I don't. I'm not that impressed with myself. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, I appreciate you on the show today, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.